What's up, everybody? This is episode 145 of the Clappercast. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. Sean, what's going on, man? I am just trying to figure out what is happening in these playoffs, because uh, this was not the matchup that I, I imagine nobody predicted. No, or I don't this, think this so. was the matchup that I imagine nobody predicted, I should say. Yeah, I don't I don't think anyone really predicted Florida to to be in there. Maybe Vegas. I could see people predicting mm-hmm. Vegas, but not Florida. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think if you look at the the path that they took to to get there, it's people would have said it's too tough. There's no way that oh, they beat all those Oh, I mean, they took teams. down like three three of the best four teams in the league or something. <laughs> yeah. This is including nuts. the the all-time regular season champions. Yeah. Yeah, that's a curse. You don't want to be that good. I mean, no. didn't even didn't the Red Wings like when they were that good? Like, didn't they not win that year either? Like, they were labeled as chokers and stuff too. Uh, there, were, they had a reputation of that for a little while. I remember that was a thing earlier in Iserman's career where he was like, "Oh, is he is getting the same like Ovechkin treatment about like, oh, is he good enough captain or is you know his team keeps choking, blah 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 blah, and then they go and win like five cups or whatever." Yeah, I mean, he, I think he was thirty-two. I think when they won their first cup. Maybe. He was in the latter stages of a career, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was actually watching a video yesterday um, by the hockey guy, and he was um, talking about um, how some players get labeled as, you know, they just don't have what it takes to win, and then they did they did win, like, later in their career. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Iserman, Ovechkin, Ray Bork, um, mm-hmm. some of those guys that just get labeled as, like, you know, this guy's just not the guy. They can't win with him, and then they do. Um, yeah, I think it's just like it, it. It takes away a lot of the challenge of actually winning the cup because, like, I mean, in the current league, only one team of thirty-two can win it. So it's like there's going to be players, you know, like like Eisman, Ovechkin, Bork. Like, there's going to be players like that who don't get a cup. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not it's not necessarily a knock against the player. It's just they didn't win in that year yeah it's just and it's also you know. just really hard to win um, exactly you know things weird things happen case in point florida panthers right exactly um, just match up against a team that you should beat on paper but you don't um happens all the time um so i mean i guess just talking about florida yeah um, perfect why segue why don't we talk about that series so um carolina has lost 12 straight Eastern Conference final appearance games, which is absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like three straight sweeps because they got swept. I think it was in two thousand nine. They got swept in the conference final. They got swept against Boston. I want to say it was five seasons ago, something like that. I think it was Brenda Moore's first year or something. And then they get swept again in the conference final, which is nuts. Which it's 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 a it's a weird streak. Which to is, to not even win a single game in any of those appearances, like what's happened? Because they can get to this series a couple of times, but they just can't win a game. So never mind this, the series. This raises an inter- interesting question, where it's like, would you rather be a team of or a fan of a team like Carolina, where they where they just they get to the third round and then just get swept every time, or would you rather be a fan of uh, Toronto, like a team like that, where it's like, you know, they they just can't get even that far like what's more painful i think going like i think what hurts the most in my mind is being just on the cusp of getting to the cup finals or just on the cusp of winning the cup and losing every time i think that's harder than 
we're we're barely getting in playoffs or barely not yeah. even winning in round one. But what's your take on that? It's it's two different types of disappointment because getting far get you know going on a deeper run and then losing continuously like that stings like that that stings and hurts more just because like you're so close but you they're not they're not quite able to get it but then the toronto side of it where you just lose early every year it's just like it's disappointing and disheartening they're two different types of hurt but i think i'd rather i'd rather go on the deep playoff run because then at least you're getting close well, I think owners would definitely agree with you that they, they want to go oh, in yeah. deep runs too, uh, <laughs> make more money. Um, but yeah, it's just as a fan, it's like, I mean, I was I was watching the Capitals when they couldn't make it past um, round two, and that hurt a lot. I couldn't imagine what it would be like if I was a fan of the Carolina, though. Like, you get to the conference finals every time, and then you just lose, like, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, Carolina's kind of both of them because they made the conference finals one year and then three straight seasons they lost before the second round or in the second round and then they lose again in uh, in the third round this year and swept again. Yeah, and I mean, like, kudos to them for making it that far with the injuries that they have. Um, like, to not have, you know, two of your top six guys. Um, and then I think Tara Vinen came back but still... A lot of people suspected he was hurt. I haven't seen anything from like their locker cleanout of like who was injured and whatnot. But, um, you know, they had some pretty substantial injuries. And then in the last mm-hmm. game, you know, Slavin got hurt by that monster hit by Bennett. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just tough to get so close every time, and then just the same story. Um, but I think yeah, I think Carolina fans. Are can take solace in the fact that your team was hurt so bad and and still made it a a pretty good run um and i don't know i mean like i hope that they don't blow things up and do something dramatic here in the off season but i've already seen rumors of like them trying to get farner and all sorts of weird stuff um and then like you know people are saying like they need a they need a bonafide superstar and it's like you kind of do have one in Aho. Well, they have two. I, I put. I mean, I guess Svechnikov isn't really a superstar, but he's definitely... He's up there. He's, he's yeah, elite talent. He's a star. He's... Um, you know, you're seeing uh, Nietzsche get better, too. You know, mm-hmm. you've, you've got Brent Seth Burns, who's a, a, a yeah. elite defenseman who's fit in really good there. Um, I, yeah, I don't... I think that they... It's tough because it's like, do you do something dramatic um, to get over that hump? I feel like they tried that with Pacioretty, um, and it just didn't work out. Um, no. But I don't know what they got to do to get past that, but also, like, you kind of hit a team that's just on its destiny course. Like, Yeah, and that, uh, there's nothing you can do about that. Like, I don't even know. I don't even think Carolina's issue is as, is as much a – like roster composition as it is just a team style and stuff because like looking at the way the team plays like analytically they're great like they're top of the league and expected goals and 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 Corsi and all that like they look like they should be the best around but it's just the way that they play isn't conducive to actually like winning they kind of go like a a quantity over quality in a lot of ways so they'll go and they i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure they led the league in the regular season in low danger shots they led the league in the playoffs in low danger shots and that's kind of the way that they pi- they pad those um advanced stats 
is just by taking low danger shots from the point. And this is something that I read about a lot of uh, Hurricanes fans talk about the team is like, they don't shoot from high danger areas. They don't really crash the net. They don't drive anywhere. And that's why they like Svechnikov so much because he's that type of player. He's a bigger power forward type. But other than that, they do a lot of outside perimeter stuff. And they'll just pump out 50 random point shots that have a, like a 0.2% chance of going in. But they don't actually like create anything off of them, like second chances or rebounds or drive the nets or like anything quality. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and specifically in this series, they run into a Florida team that's playing extremely aggressive away from the puck, and a goalie that is on his game like Bobrovsky, like he's not going to let a random point shot in. Like he's 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 on his game way too much right now to to be letting those in. Yeah, yeah, I remember you telling me, uh, bringing it up in an episode before playoffs that they were shooting a lot from the outside and just not getting a lot of high danger scoring chances. Um, and yeah, I think a guy like Svechnikov, like a guy who can actually finish um, or Pacioretty, you know, like a guy with an elite shot um, mm-hmm. would have been a huge difference maker in the series. Um, but, you know, they they were, they did get swept as much as Rod Brindamore would say that they didn't. <laughs> um, can I we think just talk about like how, how absurd of a quote that is? Yeah, I mean, I know his point was, like, <laughs> this is a lot closer of a series than you would expect looking at just the result. Yeah. But he just said it in such a dumb way. <laughs> like, he's trying to defend his team <laughs> and, like, the performance that they put out there, obviously. But, like, at the end of the day, you did get swept. And, yes, they were a lot of one-goal games. Um, but you you got swept. Sorry. Like, that's just that's a hard truth that you have to accept um it doesn't mean that you got you know the the floor wiped with you or anything right like you, you they they played pretty good and they lost a lot of close games and you know you can bitch about the the call at the um you know with like 15 seconds left or whatever um and i think it was game three or was that the series winning goal i can't remember um but there wasn't a lot of penalties called in that series like either way um but you just didn't you, you like a, a team on its path they were just destined to get there and a hot goalie and you were missing two of your your best finishers yep. like that's just the story you I, uh, ran out of steam a bit i stand corrected a little bit here the hurricanes actually generate a lot of high danger chances as well they were tied for top in the league in the regular season, and they're second in the playoffs behind only Dallas. But they also lead, like, they're really high up in low danger as well. So they also just, like, pump a lot of a lot of nothing shots off the outside as well. Yeah, so they, they kind of just volume, volume yeah. shooting. Yeah, volume, but you made a good point that um, the finishing talent is, is lacking. Yeah, like, if there's a rebound and, there and, and there's nobody to collect it, did it even happen? Yeah. They get they get a lot of rebounds. I'm seeing on the stats they get they're pretty high up in the league in rebounds created, rebound chances and stuff. But again, like you pointed out, if they don't have much for finishing talent, players who can actually like you know put in the rebound or make make the other team pay for giving up a high danger chance against, like they're they're not really going to get anywhere. Yeah, like I think what is Stefan Nason was their crease guy during their power plays. 
um, who, I mean, not to knock on him, but like, he's never been like a, you know, a, a, a great scorer in the NHL. He had a decent season. I remember I picked him up here and there in fantasy through the season, but he's not, you know, I mean, yeah, like this, goals, this year, points. I think it was a career year for him, but like, he's never been yeah. like, you know, a, a, a very like a top scorer or a no. 20, even a 20 goal guy in the NHL. No, he's his, his career high goals is 13. His career high points is now 36. So, you know, there's a, there's a dramatic difference between like a guy like him in front of the net and I don't know, a guy like Joe Pavelski or something, right? Exactly. Like, like yeah, sure, he did a he did an admirable job, but like you could have had a much better guy who get who gets a stick on pucks and everything that is able to kind of tap garbage goals in when you need them. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean they did get swept. Um, they were close games. We'll see what they do in the off season here. I think that they've got some um, tough um, decisions to make um, with um, uh, some signings that they need to make. Um, just bringing up the cap friendly, but I think they have to sign Jarvis uh, and Aho. I think has due for an extension um, at the end of this season. So that's obviously going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, they're gonna want to get that done as soon as possible. Um, yeah, yeah. This off season, they've got Yester uh, Foss, Jordan Stahl, and that you know bunch of depth guys and cost uh, is nothing, fair. I think, nothing I crazy. Their goal goaltending, yeah, their goaltending's uh, Anderson and Ranta both both are expired. But next season they. Uh, Next season is the big one because that's when Aho, Teravainen, Natchez, Martinuk, Jarvis, Suzuki, like all those guys are coming off of or uh, having expiring deals next off season. Uh, yeah, they'll have to. Um, like I said, I think they're probably going to want to do a extension as soon as possible for some of those guys. Yep. Like come July first this season, they're probably going to want to extend Aho. Um, but yeah, I mean, like they've they've got some some decisions to make like do they bring back jordan stall he's their captain the leader do they bring back does does stastny want to keep playing do they want him um do they re-sign max pacioretty um do they do they bring back shane gostas bear does he have a, pl- a role on their team he fit in pretty good but they've got brett burns um yeah so this could be you know the, their bottom six could look a lot different next season um We'll we'll see what they do, um, but uh, on the other side of the ice, the Florida Panthers mm-hmm. had a a good series on their end too. Um, great goaltending, as we mentioned by Bobrovsky and uh, Matthew Kachuk. Just what a hell of a series he had. Yeah, yeah, and he is uh he is really becoming a a face of not just the franchise but a face of the league. In in what he's doing and how uh, how he's kind of like standing out in amongst the crowd in in Florida and around hockey, um, you know, well, t- you know, in the series, what do you have like three of the four game winning goals, including the overtime winner in the four overtime, fourth overtime in game one. I think he did have three because he had yeah the overtime goal he had, 
another overtime goal, and then he had the series-winning goal in mm-hmm. right the very end of regulation. So it was basically an overtime goal again. Yeah, I remember. I remember that one because I'm sitting there, my jaw hit the floor when he scored so late to win the series like that. Yeah, it's... I think that was like one of the latest series clinching goals in NHL history because he scored it like what five seconds left, something like that. Yeah, like right, you know, right at the end. So. You know, he's doing stuff like that on the ice. He's leading the team on he's leading the team's skaters and getting them to another level. And then even off the ice, um, there was this he showed up on the NBA on TNT or something panel. Mm-hmm. And he did uh he did an interview on there and it's it's that panel with like Charles Barkley and I think Shaq and a couple other guys. I don't follow basketball, so I don't know who's on it. But it's it's one of like the most recognized sports panels out there. And, uh, you know, Kachuk shows up on there and he's talking about hockey mm-hmm. on that platform. Yeah. So, like, that's, you know, that, that's important because, one, you want to grow the game in in the area because he's doing it during, like, a Miami Heat thing. He's kind of joining in uh, with the Heat going on a run as well. But he's going and he's talking about hockey and he's showing a personality. He's not just some boring the the stereotypical boring hockey player with cliches like he's going on there and showing that he's a person so like he's really this is this is an amazing postseason for him on and off the ice yeah charles barkley is just such a great ambassador for hockey amongst um the nba because he'll he'll be on some of those panels and they'll be talking about basketball games and he'll say things like almost word for word this game was boring i was watching nhl playoffs during this entire yeah. game things like and that's that been a right? thing for a few years right <laughs> yeah he's, like he's, he's basically awesome. said i don't he he basically said like nba playoffs is boring in the first round or it's a terrible <laughs> first round so i usually watch the nhl instead yeah he's he's so good um I, I i love that guy um yeah and i think he invited him on um because they had like a graphic during that segment and it was like chuck's guy um Kachuk. So it was Charles Barkley's guy, right? Like he brought him mm-hmm. in. Um so yeah, it's um it's pretty cool to see. And yeah, he's he's definitely becoming a marketable face um for the NHL. And I think, yeah, if you you put him out there, he does a really good job of being a person, like you said, not just like you know, a robot like a guy like Connor McDavid is, right? Mm-hmm. Um don't wanna say the wrong thing, like uh, you know, just be a be yourself. Like that's what people are interested in. Um, they want to see who you actually are and be a little vulnerable and reveal your personality. And you know, um, you can be a role model and have a personality at the same time. Um, so he's he's just really shining in Florida. And I think I saw um, people talking about it online and saying that like you know him going to Florida was was one of the best things because. He's able to kind of be himself, and the team yeah. actually encourages that. Whereas a team in Canada um, probably has a bit more control over things that you should and shouldn't say, just based on like the size of the market. Mm-hmm. But in a smaller market team, like you go be yourself, right? Like you know, when's who's the last like real? personality you can remember on like a canadian team that wasn't like a depth guy like, suban yeah and then he got shipped and out he got too, traded right? away because of the personality yeah <laughs> so it's like and then they trade him for one of the most boring people to be in hockey ever shea weber right <laughs> like he's a great player but like 
who is he? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. A hockey guy. For someone who is who is as good as he was for as long as he was, like he you don't you don't think I have, about I know him no in, character yeah. traits of who he yeah. is, right? Like Subban, you not can a think of a lot of things, but like Shea yeah. Weber, it's like I don't know who you are. And that's not a knock against Weber. No, like, it's 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 just a product of hockey culture. Oh, exactly. He it, just comes just across as like a milk toast kind of guy, like just a you know run of the mill hockey player. Mm-hmm. I don't know who you are compared to the next guy, but a guy like Subban, and not just for like you know visible reasons. But just his personality shines through everything he does, and just you know, you, you kind of know who he yeah. is. Um, so yeah, it's just you know, and, and there's some teams where that gets frowned upon, or it looks like it gets frowned upon from inside. Um, so yeah, it's just great, great for the league, um, great for Florida. Um, you know, they hopefully they're really growing some fandom there, but I'm a little worried that like. You know, like you said, the, the Miami Heat are going on a run at the same time. So it's like, you know, is that a little conflicting with people? You know, do they have energy to watch both? Or are they getting, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I'll do the things I need to when the hockey game's on because I don't care. Um, but I don't know. It's just nice to see a, t- a different team in there. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're, they're playing pretty well. Um Kachuk's yeah, just it's unbelievable. Four games in that, or four goals in that series, um, just a hell of a series. Um, he's getting a lot of cons, might talk, but I think yeah, it's Bobrovsky the way he's playing, shutting the door. He's he's my yeah, vote for that that's team. Uh, that was another question I had: is you know who is your Conn Smythe pick going into the final between or on Florida, anyways? But uh, I don't know. I would. I I lean Kachuk personally because he's been doing it. He's been doing this like the whole postseason. And Bobrovsky, I think he didn't really take over until the second round. Well, I think Kachuk had a bit of a quieter offensive s- series against Toronto, whereas Bobrovsky kind of like mm-hmm. really shut the door there. So you can kind of like True. make the argument for both of them. Where yeah, Bobrovsky really took over in the second series. Um, that's true. That's true. But I think either one of them is a solid pick, honestly. Like, yeah, like you said, three game winners in a series. Like that's that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like back to back overtime winners. That's insane. Yeah, and just it's like going back to the other the other two series. Like he was contributing in big ways on important goals. So it's not just like padding stats on on like a goal to to make the game three like a three one loss or something. But it's like he's contributing on game tying goals. He's contributing on game winning goals. He's scoring the game winning goals, and he's kind of contributing without the puck in ways that that benefit is so strong so much as well. That like that's that's why I lean Kachuk. But like, I mean, I think the goalie is pretty much a default Conn Smythe pick a lot of the time. Especially yeah. when they're putting up numbers like Bobrovsky with his, you know, nine sixty six save percentage in this series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I either, think they held one. they held the Hurricanes to I want to say was six goals in the entire four games. Like that's incredible, and like the Panthers aren't. They aren't like the most 
noteworthy defensive powerhouse. They have a solid system, but like they're not they're not built the same way as some of the other teams with much better defenses. Well, like Carolina, for example, that have that reputation with such a strong defensive core. So, but at this point, it looks like Bobrovsky's leading the league in in saves in the playoffs, like a nine thirty five save percentage. That's like that's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me bring up one last stat here: the goal saved above expected. But yeah, that's Bobrovsky nineteen point seven goal saved above expected in fourteen games. Wow. So, you know that would be that would be like the strong argument that Bobrovsky is carrying the team that he's putting up that much or making that much of a of a noteworthy difference or a quantifiable difference. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um before we get into the other series, um do you think that the rest here for Florida going into the finals helps or hinders them because they I think finished early and then they've I think they've got like a week and a half between round three and round four here so yeah i uh i think historically it sounds like rest between series hinders the team i think that was the someone did you know a study and and looked at results of the of the series following like you know rest periods over x amount of days or something and um, i think they found that it hinders the team and i don't think it helps them in any way i think the only thing that benefits them with the rest is that Vegas is also at this point going to have had like most of a week off as well. Cause I think the series ended on Monday. Uh, yes. Yeah. It's Sunday or Monday or something, Monday. but, um, they're going to have had most of a week as well. So it's kind of like, at what point is there, at what point is like the kind of a wash? You know, yeah. What point does it just kind of balance out? Yeah. I think that was one of the questions that, um, came up on that uh, Matthew Kachuk NBA segment actually is like does this help or hinder you and Matthew Kachuk answered pretty diplomatically saying like you know either way is good for us because like we're rolling but also like rest is really really valuable Yeah, and without saying it it's like uh, yeah. if someone's hurt like it gives them time to kind of rehab a bit like if bark and that's right? a huge thing in the playoffs because players are often like it's it's a whole thing after your team is eliminated it's like oh who was playing hurt who had what injuries so to get a week and a half in the middle of the playoffs to just kind of rest up a bit like that's yeah. that's pretty important when like you say barkov's been playing hurt or whatever yeah it's it's important to get one of your better players healthier for the finals yeah so i mean i can see it both both ways i don't know without knowing what the situation is it's kind of impossible to say um but you know the fact that they were on such a roll it does look like at least right now like it looks like it, it could impact them by like slowing them down coming back um but if guys were hurt it's absolutely a good thing and if they needed to break then fine um but you know it's impossible to know until the series is also over, but um, until you know, those things that you mentioned come out, like who had what injury and how long were they dealing with it and blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Um, just one thing here for Florida specifically before we move on to the West. Um, 
Have you seen where their Stanley Cup patch is on their jersey? Yes. That is an absolute sin. That it is looks that terrible. is disgusting. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, it is on the same side of the jersey as like letters go for captains and alternates. So whereas historically it's on the other side. Um so it's it's moved because of an ad placement. So they got to have the ad where it would be during the regular season, but the Stanley fucking cup patch gets less respect <laughs> than their than some fucking stupid shitty auto company. zone or whatever <laughs> ad that they have. And it gets, it has to move to the other side. Like what the hell? That is and it, garbage. Like, it looks terrible. It looks awful because it just looks so out of place beside the nut, beside the letter. There's oh, no, it's... there's no room for it. It's like some, it's like just terrible design. Look. Well, yeah, for a guy without a without a C or an A, sure, looks fine. It's on the wrong side, but you don't notice it. But when there's a letter mm-hmm. there, it's like, oh, I see exactly what you've done, and this is atrocious. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Why couldn't you have taken the ad off for the goddamn Stanley Cup Finals or? Put it on the fucking side. You've got your military-style patches. Put it on the side or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's so garbage. I respect so much the teams that did not put an ad on their jersey this year, the Oilers being one of them, um, the the Red Wings. Um, I think there's a few other teams that I'm forgetting here. Um, there's, a, there's a pretty sizable group, but like Florida – Vegas has one too. I don't know if we've seen what their patches look like yet. Hopefully, it's not the same thing. Um, but that is such garbage. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I saw that. That's such shit. Ah, pisses me off. Um, okay. Anyway, we'll move on to the West. Vegas is moving on. Obviously, um, they beat Dallas. Um, took them a little longer than um, you know they probably would have liked or it looked like they were going to sweep and then Dallas eventually forced a game six um, and then got absolutely shit stomped. Um, thanks, Jamie Ben, um, for coming yeah, back no into the lineup. So Jamie Ben, I mean, it's hard to place it on one person. It's never one person's fault, but that one game that they lost where he got, um, you know, he, he quote unquote fell onto Mark Stone's neck with his stick cross checking him. Um, five-minute major in the first, th- think, three minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, game three, first game at home, already down a goal, gets scored on, I think, once, maybe twice on the power play, or the other one was shortly after the power play ended. So to go down 3-0 in, like, the first five minutes, there's no coming back from that in that game. No. Um, and um, he got suspended two games. Stars won both of those games. He comes back into the series. They get stomped. So that's not a good look for Jamie Benn. Um, I think he's well-loved amongst his teammates and is known as being a good leader, but that is absolutely not <laughs> a good example yep. of leadership. And when we spoke um, about the previews, we had spo- we'd specifically talked about let's get Vegas off their game and I said, I hope Dallas doesn't fall into the trap of playing that stupid, you know, game. And they did. Um, and I, th- 
I don't think that's the only reason they lost, but I think it definitely contributed to it that 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 emotion, um, really really bad decision by your leader in a very emotional game down two zero, um, it just killed them. Um, and there's other things that happened. Um, people are really picking on Ryan Suter. I I picked on him as well, but again, there's it's not it's never one player's fault that you lose a game. Um, but yeah. that one game, it's not Ryan Suter's fault. He was playing 25 minutes a night. Exactly. Like he, there was lots of questionable decisions in that series. Um, but Ryan Suter definitely had a um, a brain fart or just a, a, a poor mistake, possibly by by being fatigued or by being an old man um, playing <laughs> in a game under extreme <laughs> pressure from Vegas. So great forechecking by Vegas. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like That's one of the things that goes as players age is their speed and their reaction time. Vegas plays, and you don't get you don't get a re, you don't get a chance to have reaction time against Vegas. Yeah, like you're you're supposed to be like thinking two steps ahead when you're when you're playing hockey. It's like oh, what's what's happening two moves from now? It's like Vegas is already ahead of that. Yeah, you don't have you don't have time, so you get you know older or slower players, whatever whatever combination of that is is appropriate, and like they're Vegas can feast on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean like. I think that was game two. Um, stars were up in that game. And then I think it was third period um, with maybe five minutes left or something. Suter made a, a, a pretty haphazard um, behind-the-net bank pass attempt to Haskinen. But Haskinen wasn't there. Um, so it was a, it was a turnover. Vegas tied it up late in the game, force overtime, and eventually win in overtime. I think that if you pause it right there, that's where you can see their heartbreak. Um, that was the moment where it's like they needed to win that game, and when they didn't, that was it. Um, that was just just felt like ve- that was Vegas's series at that point um, to yep. go up two zero, and the Stars were winning at, on the road to tie at one one. And then they go back home and they get stomped in game three with that stupid play by Jamie Benn. And, uh, and, and go ahead. Oh, I was going to say like that. You know, the first two games, like Vegas won them both, but they were both overtime. So, like, you know, it's that same idea where it's like, yeah, it wasn't quite as two nothing doesn't tell the same the, the story of the series when both the losses were in overtime. Yeah, and but the stars in the y- previous two rounds had lost the first game in overtime too, um, and yeah. then they were able to bounce back in game two, and they had done that for fifty-five minutes, I want to say, of that game two, and then they just made a mistake and yep. paid, and then it was just, I think it would have been a different series if they had won that game, just mental the mental battle, um, and then there's just a few a few other mistakes that happened mm-hmm. in the rest of the games, and they just look like they couldn't come back from that um and and that's honestly it ends up you know we're talking about dallas screwing up at like flipping it to the other side how vegas just plays well and they know how to adapt and and shut down the opposition yeah that they did this against the oilers that they were able to for the most part shut down um the i mean for the most part they they shut down or stifled the oilers offense enough that they were able to win or they were able to bounce back. 
but um, they did the same against Dallas, right? And I think what they have nine, nine even strength goals in six games. I don't know if that's good or bad. Like into in terms of like a, a scoring rate, but it's just something that Vegas is really good at is shutting down offense at five on five. Like they they box out the opposition extremely well and they keep chances to the outside. They don't let a whole lot into into the slot. They don't let a lot of a whole lot of high danger chances up, especially stuff that's low in the slot. So they're able to just counter what Dallas can do and. Um, you know, we're talking about, you know, why Ryan Suter is getting 25 minutes a night, but I think it's Dallas's defense just isn't as deep as it needs to be to make a deep playoff run. Yeah. Because it, you know, what's their top two? Heiskanen, who is obviously a number one, like he's 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 good. Yeah, but he's then after that, who's it? Lundell a lot. Um, but yeah, Lundell's probably their their second guy. Um, and you look at the one-two punches on other teams where it's like Petrangelo and, and Theodore or, um. Uh, Ekblad in, in Forsling in Florida and Carolina with Slavin and Burns or Pesci or Shea, like any of them. You know, it's 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 a bit of a drop to go to Dallas's like Haskinen and then Lundell and then like what, Suter? Yeah, Suter, I think Suter showed in that he was good in other rounds, um, but in this round in particular, he did not look great. Um, he mm-hmm. made a lot of mistakes in the lead zone that cost goals or other scoring chances. Um, he just was either completely not covering someone or like turning away from the puck and he would like, he'd make a mistake for on one goal and then he'd try to like, Oh, like last time I got burnt on this, I got to remember to do this. And then like, it would make another mistake because he'd be trying to overcorrect. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there was like, he would not pick up the guy in the slot to try and stop like a guy cut into the net or something and leave another guy open and Vegas would like pass to the open guy and score. And then the next time he'd be like, oh, okay, I gotta go pass. I gotta cover the guy in the slot. And then he just leave the guy to go straight to the net and score. Right. So it's like, he wasn't being put in good positions by his partner, but he would also like, I don't know if he was thinking too hard or, or, or what, but like he'd get burnt in situations like that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think it goes to what you're saying. Like, yeah, it's the, it's the thinking on your feet, being able to like, ca- like overcome those mistakes and be able to make like a last ditch effort and stuff. And it's just, maybe it's the fatigue from playing so many games, so many minutes. He is 38. That takes its toll on him. You know, he possibly can't do that anymore. Maybe you got to control his minutes a bit more, play him more like a guy like Giordano or it's like 10 minutes or whatever keeps doing with him but they can't afford to have him be you know a second pairing guy next season I would love to Mm -hmm. see the stars bring somebody else in or you know bump up the minutes of a guy like Thomas Harley who I think really kind of elevated his game in playoffs um, and showed that he's ready to take that next step Um, I mean the stars have a lot of good young talent you know that can possibly elevate next season just to be some of those guys, but that's kind of their biggest question mark for me is, yeah, the, the, the blue line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ottinger just showed that he's human and that can't always Apparently have a 9.50. Um, it doesn't surprise me. Probably something upper body with him. Yeah, um, like 
it's it's uncharacteristic for him to to struggle like that in the playoffs. So it would it would make sense if he's been battling some sort of injury. Yeah, I mean, he was really getting picked off um up up high. So it wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of injury there. Um but um the blue line yeah, they they got to be better because there was just so many mistakes in the in the um defensive zone and you can't do that in in the conference finals. So mm-hmm. um they've got they've got some question marks of their own though like just to kind of everywhere. Um you know, do they bring back Domi, Dodonov, um their bottom six guys, um a lot of them are on expiring deals. Um you know, so and they don't have a lot a whole lot of cap space. I think it's like 7 million or something. So um Maybe they buy out Suter, and there's two teams paying him not to, to play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. They they were there in 2020 and um, didn't win, and now it's the conference finals. Um, I think the, the the good thing about Dallas is that they've got such a good young core that's like kind of replacing the old guys. It's just a matter of like how do we how do we manipulate the cap to overcome some of our older guys really kind of coming down um like Sagan and Ben because they're making like you know 20 million Way or whatever between money. the two of them like 18 million or something so it's like how do you overcome those and and elevate mm-hmm. bring in how do you add to your team right now you know to add to like Robertson Hans Haskin and um White Johnson um is on ELC um, they got Stankoven coming in next season so I, I think it's it's still a good time to be a Stars fan it's not super like uh not a crushing defeat i think that no. they were able to battle back those those um couple games and win a couple and not get swept it just shows that like they have heart and they can they can win but also it's, it's interesting like when your captain's not in you win and when he comes so back, that was actually <laughs> that's something i wanted to ask you is that okay so you lose the first three games because you know when ben's in the lineup you win the next two when ben's out do you, would you have put Ben back in for the last game? I I don't know. I've seen people say both sides. I think you have to put your captain back in. Um, but it is tough to fuck with a team that's winning. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just think yeah, because like, like part of it could have been like we're winning it for our captain that's out, and that could be a motivation. But I don't know. I don't know, man. It's tough. I think yeah. that if you didn't it play is. him, then your your locker room might get fractured um, going into next season because Jamie Ben still got a couple seasons left on his deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really would have hurt the relationship between um, Peter DeBoer and Ben. So yep. I think you gotta. But it, it's. I think if it was anyone else that's i think that's basically it i mean if it was if it was a third liner who got suspended for two games you, there's no way you put him back in yeah and like you know well well uh, suspended for a stupid decision that was wholly yeah, 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 yeah. their fault not exactly, like you yeah. made a hit and it was like a little questionable and you got suspended for it it's like you made the decision to cross check that guy's face while he's on the ice like, and then continue or proceeded after the game to walk out to your car without saying anything 
and then the next day not even take accountability but say you fell in his stick with the landing <laughs> point on the ice I and it just fell. happened to be Mark Stone's <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. No, as, no. as the leader of the team, you're not showing accountability. Um, I get, I, I understand the, like, right after the game one where it's like, okay, you could cool off. And then, but, t- but the next day, like, yeah. you should take you accountability should, you gotta have a better for statement than that. the decision or for your actions. And you're, you put the team in a shitty position. Like, you got to take accountability for that. Um, but Jamie Ben's always been a bit of a whiny guy to the media where he comes off as like I don't want to talk to you and like um like why I don't owe you anything that kind of like air about him mm-hmm. so it's not really surprising um he's like very aloof um so I don't know he doesn't seem like like I think from like the media he doesn't seem like a great leader but from by all accounts, like in the room, he's really good, and on the ice, um, so I think he's just he doesn't he doesn't read well, <laughs> um, to to like outsiders, which is fine. But yeah, I think when you're a very visible part of the team, like if you were in Canada, you would have got crucified for your mm-hmm. your reaction to that. Like look at Shifley. Well, imagine right. Imagine if like Matthews got suspended for two games for something and then just like disappeared from well, the media uh, and didn't say anything. It's Shifley, right? Like Shifley's reaction to his suspension, people were like, "Oh, good point." Even yeah. Winnipeg fans were like, "Oh, you're just a whiny brat. Like you, you were losing and you took it out on that guy." And like you know, like we're still kind of seeing fallout of his hair about him. Like this season, he had the same thing where he's talking about how he's going to play his game his way and not take like pointers from the coach. Right. So it's like, it's kind of that style of leadership, but Shifley's not the captain, but he is a leader of yeah. that team. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's disappointing. I would say as a, as a fan of their team, of the, the Dallas, um, you'd expect more from your captain. Um, just take accountability. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. stupid. I apologize. I reached out to Mark stone, which he didn't do. Um, and I, I, I apologize, right? That's that's what you want. That's all you need to say. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just a little disappointing. Um, but yeah, I, it's. I think that's going to be a bit of a storyline moving forward, right? For for Dallas is. Um, that leadership, um, you know. Yeah. And who is, who is the next gonna captain like is going to be? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a is strip it? to see, like. Event that's going to happen. But I think it's going to get talked about, especially mm-hmm. if his numbers fall off um, in the last. Oh, I two guarantee years you and I will talk about it at some point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's you know who's who's because the there's leader. two people in waiting named Rupe Hints and Miro Haskinen. Yeah, that at this point would be uh, at a good time to to start hopping into the leadership crew on the team like that. Yeah, yeah, I I, I think so. Um, I mean, even like Tyler Sagan, like I know he's points have really dropped off but like he's kind of changed his game to be like more of a grinder type guy you know do what the team needs it's like you're getting you're one of the highest paid players in the league salary wise but you know you're you're doing what you need to to you know remain a leader on the team and everything so even he would be a a good choice um but yeah i mean like it's the next cores moment coming up anyway yeah vegas their series, um, what a what a performance by their bottom six. Um, mm-hmm. 
they did a, an amazing job and William Carlson um, I think um, William Carlson is doing a fantastic job of doing the shutdown but also putting up points like just remarkable um, he had a, a hell of a series um, really really strong games by him um, yeah I mean yeah Vegas is just you know, I I wanted Dallas to win, but I really did think like um, Vegas versus Florida would be a better final um, because they're the two best teams left. Yeah, um, I think that's that's fair. And I mean, um, you you didn't mention Aiden Hill yet, did you? No. So you know, Aiden Hill comes in. You know, he's what's he on that team? Like the third or fourth string goalie. He comes in in the second round when Laurent Persuad gets hurt, and he's now, you know, the de facto starter at this point. In uh, where is he on this list here? In in his eleven postseason appearances, he's got six point four goals saved above expected. You know, he puts up two shutouts in in that third round, and you know he's he's giving them the goaltending that they need. He's not like on the same level as Bobrovsky. But he's giving the team the goaltending they need because the way that Vegas plays, it's it's more than sufficient. Like he, they they don't need him to be an elite goaltender because Vegas has shown time and time again that they can get by with like good goaltending. They don't need elite. The way that Vegas plays is is you know they just need someone who can stop the puck, make the saves they're supposed to, and make like the occasional momentum saving or momentum changing save. They don't need. They don't need a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good team. Um, you know, there's 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 always kind of two paths to the the Stanley Cup Finals, and one of them is a hot goalie, and one of them is a team that doesn't matter really who's in net as long as they make like the saves they need to. Um, you know, I can think of a lot of examples of each, but um, hot goalie. I think people are kind of hand-waving what Florida has done and said that it's just because of a hot goalie, but I think if you really watch their team, it's like, uh, yes, uh, to a, to an extent, but they're also scoring when they need to, too, um, and they can they can play both both games. Um, but, yeah, Vegas is just such a strong team. Like, they really shut down Dallas in that last game, and Dallas was really making a push mm -hmm. in the first, like, half of that game um, in, the, in game six. Um, but they just shut it down and just limit opportunities to the outside and um, get the forecheck going. They're just a tenacious puck retrieval team. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to watch them kind of face off against each other um, to see who wins that, that game, the, the forecheck game, whose mm -hmm. defense cough up the puck more um, as a result of being just hounded by every line <laughs> yeah because that's that's you know to my my observation they both kind of have a similar style of just that high pressure forecheck in their in their own ways of course but they both kind of do that same like they play really fast games high pressure forecheck constantly like forecheck incredible forecheck and you know um i want to say i want to say more of a rush style game than than like a setting up in the offensive zone but that's not i don't know if that's fully accurate 
especially for Vegas because they do have such a strong system in general. But um, it's it, I think I think it's probably going to be an exciting series with with the amount of action between these two teams. Yeah, and in the in the Dallas series, um, um, Cassidy was saying like, if we can, if we can, um, kind of have like the the hints Robertson Pavelski line, and um, like I think it was like the the Carlson or whoever's matching up against them be like a wash, and we get our other guys to contribute. I think we're like that's going to be a good strategy for them. And it, it works, right? Like you, got the, you, you limit the opportunity that that line has, and you Dallas doesn't have the depth to to overcome that. Mm-hmm. But a team like Florida, it's like they've they've kind of overcome that attempt already. Like they've got the kind of the more depth, I think, than than Dallas does. Um, especially later on in that series, when Dallas once like the Donov was out. Um, you know, once they they kind of lost a real um, secondary scoring threat. Like you know, I think it was like Marchment Domi um, didn't do really anything offensive in that whole series. Um, yeah, Marchment Domi, Sagan, Johnston. I think I don't think any of them maybe even had a point. Yeah, so I think Florida will be harder to kind of match up against in that same way. Um, because they've got, um, I think their bottom six guys can contribute more than Dallas's in, you know, the four check game. Um, you know, just control um, the boards and just get l- loose pucks and everything. Whereas Dallas's bottom six wasn't doing a good job of that. Um, you know, they're like, they're not, they weren't hitting as much as they should have been probably um whereas florida like that's their game like just just pound them early like i think period one of this of this matchup you probably see matthew kachuk set the tone again like he did mm-hmm. in both la- the last few couple series like get out there and yeah. i think he's like in the t- in the toronto series i think he had like five hits in game one in the first period of game one um so i yeah, think he'll probably Vegas. do the same thing <clears throat> pardon me vegas isn't like a a big team like they they're physical i think they have um their defense are though their defense yeah their defense big. is physical like petrangelo theodore McNabb, Hag. like they're all big physical players but i think their forwards are a bit more um they're either smaller or more skilled rather than physical so they don't have that touch so matthew kachuk can go and you know throw the forwards off their game pretty quickly now that's an interest you know brings up another point based off of how Vegas is good at clearing the front of their net out. When we see a player like Matthew Kachuk, who kind of like plays that grind style game where he can get to the front of the net. And I'm thinking specifically of his uh, series clinching goal where he's just in front of the net all alone and, and has the patience and the time and the space to just deke out the goalie and, and score that goal. Yeah. You know, that's that's not a play that's going to be easy or even possible against Vegas because they're going to have Petrangelo or Theodore McNabb cross-checking him in the back and shoving him out of the way. Yeah. So they'll have to adapt a little bit on that one. But, um, you know, it's it'll be it'll be a good matchup in that sense to watch and see how they adapt and how they, you know, battle off of each other. Yeah. Even a guy like White Cloud, right? Like he's he's a big guy, too. Yeah. but yeah, I think that's an like excellent point. Like, 
in that series, like I think it was the, the series winning goal. I think I texted you like, how do you let Matthew Kachuk just walk out like that? Yeah. Like just, well, I made a comment about whoever it was is lying on the ice on top of his own goalie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, just come on up here and score. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And there was, think... there was no pressure. Like you got one guy lying on his goalie in front of the net and I don't think anyone else was in the area. Yeah. It's, I think that's a really good point. Um, smart point by you. Just, um, Vegas is not going to let you come to the front of the net as easy. And they, they did that to Dallas, you know, um, they were able to control like the, the opportunities that Pavelski got on tips and everything by just clearing out the net front. Um, that's, that's going to be a lot harder. Um, so what is Florida going to do to overcome that? Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, they've got a lot of guys who like to play that game. So, um, you know, what, what's that going to look like? Because the, you can, yeah. I can just picture Sam Bennett trying to crash the net, getting in there, Matthew Kuchuk doing the same thing. Um, it's going to be a, a, yes, a, a it's good battle. Like who's who's going to get worn out first? The forwards crashing the net or the defenders trying to defend against it? Yeah. Because, I mean, Kachuk, Bennett, I mean, does Reinhardt play that type of game? I'm not too familiar with him. I think they put him in front of the net sometimes, but I think he's more of like a, a shooter guy for them mm -hmm. than a net okay. front guy. And I mean, then looking down their lineup, they have a guy like Lomberg. I think Nick Cousins is a bit of a physical guy. Yeah. Um, Duclair's fast and aggressive. I don't know if he's like the strongest or the most physical in that sense, but he's usually involved in some way. So they have enough players to, you know, send off towards the net and try to wear them down and try and like find any way to, to get behind the Vegas defenders. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be hard to get behind the Vegas defenders when they're six foot four and have a, you know, whatever 10 foot stick span reach and yeah. also play very. This is a point that I think Paul Maurice was talking about that, you know, Vegas just has really good gap control. And it's something they're going to have to learn to adapt to and, and, you know, figure out how to maintain space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Florida's got that net front presence, but yeah, they do have that speed, right? Like Duclair burned. Um, he, he's been burning them with, with breakaways in, in his playoffs, right? He burned Toronto specifically with breakaways. Um, so I, don't, I think it's gonna be interesting, like you know the the battle between yeah, you know similar type of teams um, as far as overall strategies. Yeah, like you said, there's some there's some differences between them both, but you know um, Florida's got a lot of guys that can lay the body on on their blue line too, um, and you know specifically Radko Gudis. Mm. Um, he, he, you know, those smaller forwards on Vegas, is he going to absolutely destroy them and make them a bit yeah. more hesitant to, you know, play the board play or whatever? Yeah, they're going to really, they're going to want to roll Gudis out against like Marcia So and Carlson. Yeah, absolutely. To try and, to try and slow them down because, I mean, Eichel's a different a different beast because he's, he's physical enough on his own that it won't Oh, and like Barbashev is different too. But yeah, that, yeah. that Riley Smith, Carlson, Marcia So, yeah, those are prime targets for lay in the body mm -hmm. um, for sure. And I could definitely see a guy like Gudis playing against them and, and lay in the body, but I can also see a guy like Gudis getting burned by them, by their passing. That plays would be, too. that would be the risk. You know, you'd, you'd want, um, you'd want someone alongside Gudis who's a bit faster and can kind of react if that were to happen. But uh, you know, that would kind of be the ideal way to try and slow down some of the Vegas, Vegas attackers is to just 
stop them physically, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess overall, who are you who are you picking in this matchup? I have no ability to determine between which of these teams is going to win. So I'm basing this entirely off of a recent trend over the last like five or six years where a team wins the president's trophy one season and then they win the cup the following season. I think it's happened three times in the last five or six years already with Washington. They did it. They won the president's trophy, then they won the cup the following year. Um, Tampa Bay did it. They mm -hmm. won the president's trophy, obviously, and there was, you know, getting swept here and then they won the cup after that. Or did they win the President's Trophy two years in a row or something? But either way, they won it, President's Trophy, and then Cup the year after. Mm -hmm. Colorado just did it as well. They won the President's Trophy one year, and then they win the Cup last year. So I'm picking Florida <laughs> entirely to follow that trend. Yeah. And I think uh, Florida, they're going to take it in six. Yeah. Yeah, I'm picking Florida too. Um, I did see that that, that um, stat was out there. Um, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think it just shows that um uh there's it's not just regular season success it's you have to you have to have the the postseason ability too. Mm -hmm. you know like those teams that win the the president's cup and get knocked out or whatever like they need to see that it's it's not just what you do in the regular season that matters um and i've i remember watching as a washington fan that year that they won the president's trophy it was like these are a world beater they're gonna they're gonna go so far and then it's you know you, they get talked up all season and then the next season they look like a completely shittier team and then like there's less pressure um they have a lot of adversity like um they have to overcome you know in net uh, scoring injuries whatever and they're able to battle through it and then that's that's just almost what they needed um and so yeah i i I think that's a real thing where it's yeah. you have you've got the track record of success but you just needed that kick in the ass to be like it's not that it's not that easy right it's not that easy um it's different and so yeah I, I also am picking Florida I just think that um Matthew Kachuk and Bobrovsky just won't let the team lose mm -hmm. um, yeah I think that's a, I think that's just a fair assessment of the way the postseason's going and um just this is there's no analysis behind this this part but i would hate to see vegas win because they've been around for <laughs> such a little time and there's teams out there that have less stanley cup finals appearances than they do well um, this is the second for both florida and vegas yeah and a bit so a like bit more <laughs> of a break for florida to to, to be here again um yeah. and um Yes, it would be cool to see them win because they'd be the fastest expansion team to win a cup, um, which would be impressive because I think it's Philly. Philly won in seven years, I think. Um, so that would be Im impressive, but I would die inside mm. <laughs> if they won it because <laughs> they, I, I just can't get over the they don't deserve it mindset if vegas wins it makes it two years in a row the team that beat edmonton wins the cup <laughs> which is rough <laughs> it's like well at least the team that's beating edmonton is the one that goes on to win but it's still frustrating <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's tough um i mean that happened to the capitals back to back <laughs> with, the, with the penguins yeah um yeah, and it's it's definitely rough, but yeah, I mean, you have a little bit of a, you know, uh, well, 
they did win solace in that Um, yeah um yeah i don't know i just i just i think it's i don't i don't think it's bullshit but i just think it's annoying that they're as good as they are um when other teams have you know not had the same level of success over like a much longer period of time um and i guess that's just saltiness but um i i would much rather see a a um more storied team win their first cup because they've gone through such years of being a garbage team Mm -hmm. and they've had such like such a swing this year and it's just such a interesting story that um they barely made it and i would love to see them win just to be a one for the storybooks just like Mm -hmm. the la kings right the the bottom seed comes in just absolutely lights it up um wins their first ever cup that'd be that'd be a pretty cool story um but i don't know if i can forgive them for that ad placement so we'll we'll see (laughs) we'll see if vegas puts their uh cup patch on the on the right side um and uh maybe that'll sway me (laughs) but yeah i think i think yeah it's not going to be an easy series but i think florida will will pull um away with this one um six or seven game seven would be cool um oh yeah maximum maximum hockey i mean what was what was last year's um finals um in in length uh six so i I would like i don't know i mean if if florida wipes the floor with them i'm okay with that um that's kind of what washington did um to to vegas so i'd be i'd be okay with like well we made it to the cup finals twice but we dramatically got pumped both times (laughs) i'd be okay with that um but if it's if it's a longer series, we get to watch more hockey, so I'm okay with that mm-hmm. too. Um, more hockey and a, a series that's bound to be as exciting as this one. Yeah, I mean it, it's. I, I'm not a Tampa fan, so I. I, I didn't um, want them to win the last few years, and I don't like Vegas, so. It's it's bad for having teams I don't like in the finals lately. Um, I don't know. More hockey is always better. Even if it means the team that I don't like might win. Uh. <laughs> 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 yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm excited for it. It's going to be an interesting finals. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting one for just, you know, it's the, I think you talked about it. It's, um, you know, the lowest, um, I guess, what? latitude or long oh, longitude like the, s- the southernmost yeah the, the southernmost. southernmost final um yeah very canadian final though both teams are you know very very canadian um so that's that's interesting the, the cup as always will come back to canada during the summer of course um spend most of its summer in canada <laughs> um which is which is cool um yeah, I don't know. Anything else uh, you'd like to, to add to the, the the finals conversation? No, I think uh, I think a sentence you said is a perfect end end note for it. But uh, more hockey is always better. <laughs> yeah, best fifteen. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps things up for this time here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way. For more content, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at ClapperCast Media or on Twitter at ClapperCast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Hockey Talk.